Good evening, everybody, and welcome to Let's Talk Low Vision, brought to you by the Council of Citizens with Low Vision International. My name is Dr. Bill Takesta, and tonight we have Mr. Julian Vargas here, who's going to tell us about a lot of the new developments in smartphones for people with low vision. Julian is a consultant in California, where he does work with many organizations, including the Department of Rehabilitation, where he trains people with low vision and total blindness how to use assistive technology. And uh, I've had the pleasure of knowing Julian for many, 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 many years, and he has truly been an amazing resource to help so many people with low vision to realize all the things that they can do. Just even if they only have a cell phone, they could really be very, very functional. So welcome to the show, Julian. Uh, Thanks for having me on, Dr. Bill. Always good to uh, speak to you guys. Yes. Well, you know, we we have a a very, very large audience tonight, and I know that this recording is going to be in very, very high demand. So let's get to business and start to talk about some of the new changes of what is going on with the use of cell phones for people with low vision? Are there any major developments with these cell phones? And would you say that most cell phones are, in fact, usable by people with low vision now? Uh, yeah, I mean, if we're talking primarily smartphones, I would say that at this point we, we, uh, we're we reaching a point in the market where uh, both iOS and Android are, are both very accessible options for people. It really uh, just depends on how you use your device, what you're looking to to do with your device. But as the operating systems that power these devices uh, continue to to evolve and and be enhanced, um, Google uh, is already beta testing uh, the next version of Android, which is currently being known as Android O. Uh, Who knows what dessert name they'll come up with for that one. (laughs) <laughs> uh, and of course, uh, Apple just uh, recently announced and released the uh, developer editions, uh, developer previews of iOS 11, which is going to come out in the fall. Uh, but both these operating systems are going to hit the hit our devices in the fall, and there's a lot of really uh, neat ad- advancements in accessibility with uh, both of these platforms. So absolutely, that's a and and that's not even uh, taking into account all the apps that exist out there that allow us to turn what I really like to call a mini powerful computer that fits in your pocket that also makes and receives phone calls uh, into extremely powerful devices for those of us with low and no vision. Well, that was something that I remember you telling me many, many years ago. You said, you know what? These cell phones are really your computers, and they're going to be able to do virtually everything that your computer can do. And would you say, are we really at that point that these cell phones can virtually do almost any task that a, a person would do on the computer? Pretty much. Um, it really, the, the, these days, the the, uh, the only real need for a desktop computer is, you know, if you're doing a, a lot of uh, uh, creating, a creation of stuff, you know, if you're audio, video editing, that sort of thing. You know, if you're typing a lot of things, uh, it's still it's kind of handy to have a full-size keyboard and the power of a desktop, but really... The, the power in these little devices, in some cases, uh, meets or exceeds uh, what's sitting on most of our desks. <laughs> That's amazing because, you know, they fit in so easily, 
and you may have a desktop computer that's a huge tower, and you got more power in your pocket than on your desk. Yeah, absolutely. Now, I, I would really like just to begin this discussion by asking you just to verify, what are the phones that you currently have? Because I know you do teaching for both the iPhone and the Android. What are the phones that you currently have and you use for yourself? I'm currently using the iPhone 7 uh, on the iOS side, and on the Android side, I'm still using my Nexus 5X, which was uh, last year's, you might say, reference device from Google. So uh, that's, that's basically what I'm using right now, and they are both running the latest versions. Well, my Nexus 5X is actually running the uh, developer preview, the beta version of Android O, and my iPhone 7 is currently running the beta of 10.3.3, which will probably be uh, it'll probably be the last 10x update for iOS once they they work out all the kinks. So uh, I'll probably be playing with iOS 11. I usually like to wait till it matures a little bit, so it's had a few releases and they can work some of the kinks out of it, since the iPhone is my daily driver. Uh, But sometime mid July, early August, I'll probably be uh, rocking iOS 11. Now. I know that you're a, a very, very fair, very even-minded individual. Do you feel that you have a preference of whether the iPhone or the Android thus far with the phones that you have used uh, for a person who is low vision? Do you have a preference of one versus the other? Well, I, I, I like Android because in my heart I'm a tinkerer and I like being able to customize the heck out of things. But in general, uh, for my daily driver, I, I, I go with what for me has proven to be more reliable in my workflow, and that is the iPhone. And what are some of the things that you found uh, with the Android just wasn't quite as reliable? Was it just that it would stop working at certain times, you'd have to reboot the phone, or what were some of those kinks in the Android that made it less reliable? Um, There's a little bit of that, although in all fairness, since I am playing with beta, that's kind of to be expected as well. But even when I've run stable versions of uh, of Android, I've run into a few things like that. Uh, Sometimes it's a question that there's certain apps available on iOS that are not as available on Android. A um, few other little things that, that, that I do with the phone that I've just found in general uh, work for me better with iOS. For one thing, I will say that I can definitely point to is battery life. I find that in general, uh, iOS still does better at getting me through the day with, uh, with very, few, uh, very little need to go charge. Whereas in my, on my Android phone, if I, you know, I was just uh, doing some experiments yesterday with Facebook and just sitting there playing with it for about 20 minutes, it, my battery went down like 10% just doing that. Where with with the iPhone, uh, with the with the technology they put into it in combination with the smart battery pack that I bought from Apple that uh, disintegrates quite nicely with the phone, I find that I can go, uh, I can get a whole days out of it without needing to plug into an outlet. So. For me, uh, for for my daily communications, I guess that's one of the reasons I I go that route. Now, I I also uh, am a user of the iPhone 7, 
and I am totally blind, so I rely only on the voiceover, which reads the screens. And I, I am so grateful. I could send emails. I could read and listen to text messages. I could surf the internet. I could, I could, you know, very easily make phone calls. I could put all of these names in my contacts list. I could get from one location to another using the GPS. And everything has really worked very, very well with the, with the speech output. And, uh, how are you using the phone? Do you, I know you have vision, but do you tend to use speech or the magnifier on, on your phones when you're using them? I am using strictly blindness methods on my phones. I have um, both of them. I keep my screen completely black. I don't ever look at the screen. Um, for one thing, my vision continues to deteriorate, so there's no point in continuing to force or try to rely on something that little by little is becoming less and less dependable. And for another thing, uh, I just find that it's easier, and also just in terms of what I do, I, I, I'm most on top of my game by using it the same way that I'm teaching other people to use it. So I am strictly screen reader all the way on my phone. Wow, that's really amazing. So even though you do have vision, you have decided to turn the screen off and just to use the voice output. Yeah. Wow, that's really something. You know, that is something that is so difficult for so many people with macular degeneration or diabetic retinopathy to do because they do have vision, but they're they're struggling so hard to use their vision, even with a magnification that I have suggested. Try just listening. And they say, oh, no, no, I, I can't do that. But you're a prime example of showing how it is that you, you can use it very effectively. Um, Julian, would you tell us what are some of your favorite applications? And first of all, for some people who might be new users of smartphones, can you explain what is an application? An application is a program. Uh, some who use computers might be more familiar with that language. It's basically a program that you run on your little mini pow powerful pocket-sized computer that gives it the instructions to do what it is you want it to do. Uh, so in the case of, of an iPhone or an Android phone, it makes use of all the things that are on board, the processor, the, the camera, the accelerometer, the, the radios in the device to make connections, the GPS receiver, all that stuff, so it, it really uh, turns your device into quite a powerful tool. So there's applications that will uh, turn the phone into a video magnifier, although honestly uh, Apple has built that into the operating system now. You don't even need to buy one of those anymore. Apple, as of iOS 10, put in the video magnifier capability into all the iDevices. Um, so, but still, if you prefer the apps, they are, they are still there. There are apps that uh, let you uh, take a picture of something and either have it read to you aloud or if you want it described, you can take a picture of an object and it'll, it'll come back to you and tell you what that object is. Um, apps that will connect you with human assistance if you need remote visual assistance. Uh, there's a couple of really good uh, apps and services that do that. Uh, I mentioned GPS before. There's apps that are, will help you to get around and they give you what I consider the two most important aspects of GPS, which is orientational and guided. 
So guided is the traditional, you know, turn right in 500 feet on the street. But orientational is what sighted people get when they can look at the screen and see a map and a dot where they are on that map. So for us, uh, these things are spoken to us. Uh, the street that we're on, the intersection that we're approaching, any nearby points of interest, uh, the nearby address, you know, it all just depends on uh, what kind of detail you want spoken to you at what time. Uh, there's apps that you can use to scan barcodes on things to identify them or help you go shopping. Uh, I mean, there's so many. I mean, uh, obviously the apps that let you connect uh, socially to, to networks, the apps that let you stream radio, TV, all kinds of stuff. I mean, I, I could uh, I could sit here all day and talk about <laughs> but, but do various things. But, I mean, yeah, it's, it's just it's sky's the limit. There's a lot of things you can do with these devices, with these apps. Well, you know, let's start off with Julian. Can you give us a, a name of an application that you've been very pleased with after testing that let's say that I'm very low vision and there's times that I don't know where I'm at grocery store or I can't see what's on the shelf. And I would like to be able to know what's on the shelf. I'm trying to find the sugar-frosted flakes. Is there an app where somebody will get on the phone with me and say, oh, yeah, you got to turn down this aisle, it's on your right side, or anything like that? There are two services right now that provide this kind of service. Uh, one of them is a paid service, and the reason for that is because they actually have specially trained employees uh, that go through a lot of uh, training to know how to de- understand different vision conditions and how to help us. Uh, that's a service called IRA, A-I-R-A. Uh, their website is AIRA.io, and they they provide this kind of service where you can walk into a store and say, okay, I, I want to go shopping for some things, and uh, you can either use it uh, the, the way it's normally used is in conjunction with a pair of what's known as Google Glasses, which is a, uh, they were popular several years ago. And they didn't quite catch on in the mainstream market, but they're doing a wonderful job in this market because you can wear these glasses that have a camera mounted to them, and now you can walk around uh hands-free in a sense. You don't have to hold any device in your hand. Uh, the, the camera on the glass basically sees whatever you're p- turning your head at and would see if you could see. Uh, so there's apps like that. And then there's a free one uh, called Be My Eyes. Uh, and this one's been around a little bit longer. And they use volunteers all over the world. Um, when you first sign up for the app, they ask you, are you a blind person needing help or are you a sighted person who wants to help the blind? And when you sign up, uh, you can uh, either get the help or provide the help. And it, you know, it's, it's similar to the IRA thing that I described, but except you're, you know, these are volunteers, so anybody could sign up for this. And um, I mean, I've gotten great help uh, with this app as well. But sometimes, yeah, you have to maybe explain some things a little bit more to uh, one of those volunteers because they're they weren't trained in the same way that the IRA agents are trained. But uh, they're both they're really good services, and uh, I found them to be tremendously helpful in situations exactly as you described, where I have to go into a store and grab something real quick. I don't have time to go and explore the way I might normally do. And, uh, boy, is it nice to be able to call upon a pair of eyes when you need one. Oh, yes. You know, Julian, you, I don't know if you remember this, but you introduced me to Be My Eyes, and that has really helped me out a few times where I was traveling and was in a hotel and got a bit 
disoriented but couldn't find anybody around me. Didn't want to knock on somebody's hotel door, uh, but uh, somebody was able to help me with there. So thank you for that. You know, by the way, getting back to the AIRA dot IO, what is the approximate monthly fee to have one of these very well trained people help you? Um, you know, I have to say I I don't have their prices in front of me, but they're they're there on the site and, and you ba- you basically there's several tiers of it. So it they kind of bill you by the minute if you will. You buy a bucket of minutes. So Oh. Depending on how much you think you're going to use it or how little you think you might use it, it's, you know, it's kind of one of those things that you decide as you use it. But um, it, it might be somewhere in the 80-something dollar range per month for their lowest cost plan. And I know for some people you're going to say, oh, my God, 80-something dollars. But there's a lot of people who will also pay uh, somebody to come in and read their mail or, or, or look at things for them and be this you you might uh, want to think about doing something like this, where instead of having this person who's going to come at a certain time to read your mail, you can read your mail more or less when you want to read it, uh, yes. which is kind of help. So it's, it's one of those things that the user decides, but uh, I've, I've found it when I've used it to be quite helpful. Now, Julian, you have also introduced me to an application that I use on, on my iPhone that I love, and it's... Uh, KNFB Reader. Can you explain about that? KNFB Reader is a uh, portable, what's known as OCR, which stands for, optical, stands for Optical Character Recognition. So this lets you take a picture of anything with printed text on it, and within seconds it begins reading it aloud to you. And you can use this to scan anything from a flyer that you get at your door to a bill that's left under your hotel room door, uh, uh, one of the uh, promoters of it, I think I remember in the early days, he used to talk about how he'd go into his hotel room and read his coffee so he could tell which was decaf and which wasn't, and the shampoo <laughs> bottles and things like that. Um, so it's, it's, a really, uh, it's a really cool app. And as it's evolved, it's gained the ability to do things like do multi-page scans. So um, I know with one of my clients who was going to college, I helped her learn how to do this to, to read the, the multi-page handouts that her professor would give out in the class. You know, that makes things so much more convenient, you know? I mean, how great is that? Because there was a time that I remember as a, a doctor years ago, maybe about 10 years ago, we were so happy when they made these scanners that students could take and they plug it into the wall, and then they could put the book on the scanner, and then it would scan it, and it would take about 30 seconds a page to scan, and then they would do the next page. We thought that was the greatest thing. But now people just carry their phone. They don't have to carry that big scanner. They don't have to find any an outlet. And they could scan the page in, in a matter of seconds rather than a minute, right? Yes. Yeah. Completely amazing. I mean, considering that the very first reading machines were like the size of a dishwasher, and now <laughs> you have it in your pocket and you can use it anywhere you like. Do you remember that years ago when they first came out with a Kurzweil scanning machine? It literally was yeah. bigger than a dishwasher. I remember yeah, that. that thing was huge. <laughs> well, Julian, what about when you mentioned GPS? If people are 
traveling in a new location or maybe they're on vacation in a different part of the world, what kind of GPS applications do you like for the phones and how do they work? Well, they, they use the, every phone, every smartphone these days has a built-in GPS radio inside. And what it does is it gets the signals from the satellites. And based on how many of the satellites it sees, it does a pretty good job of geolocating and telling you where you're located on this earth. So what one of these apps will do is they'll take that information and present it to you in a way that uh, makes more sense. Because normally you just see that in terms of numbers, you know, 34 dot something north and 118 dot something west. You know, those are uh, uh, latitude and longitude. But the the average person, that means nothing. You want to know if you're at the corner of First and Main or Hollywood and Vine or something like that. (laughs) And that's what these apps will, will take that information and translate it into something useful. And again, it, it just depends on the kind of traveler that you are. I tend to be one of these people that uh, uses a lot more of the orientational as opposed to the guided. But if I'm in a new, unfamiliar area and I want to get somewhere, then I'll, I'll turn on the guided and, and, and in within a few minutes develop a route to go there. So there, there's, um, there's a bunch of these apps. Uh, for iOS, the, the two, uh, what I consider to be the top contenders in terms of blindness-specific apps, are um, Nearby Explorer by American Printing House for the Blind and Seeing Eye GPS uh, from Sendero Group. Um, and they both do both they, they do both the guided and the orientational GPS. So you have everything you want in one little package. Um, it, it really depends on how much control, how much detail you want from these apps. And it also depends on whether you like your maps stored locally on your device or whether you like to have access to your maps from a server online. So that's one of the biggest things that uh, distinguishes these apps is the seeing a GPS gets its map data from an online uh, server. So it has to, you, you have to have Internet connection to be able to access the maps. Where nearby Explorer, you have to download a pretty large size, size file, so if you don't have a lot of storage in your phone, that, that could be an issue. So it just depends on uh, how much storage you have and uh, how much uh, how much you care about it. What I like about onboard maps is that it doesn't matter whether you have an Internet connection or not. So if, I, uh, if I'm in the middle of the desert, uh, I know that uh, I'm still going to uh, know where I am, even though I may not have phone signal, because the maps are stored on, on board the device. Whereas if I'm uh, using something that relies heavily on online maps, I may have some issues uh, if I if my device didn't uh, download those maps beforehand. And uh, so. are these types of applications are are they fairly affordable? These these GPS maps. Well, compared to uh, what standalone systems used to cost, I would say they are quite affordable. When you think about uh, what Sendero GPS used to cost for the Braille note takers, you know, you were talking, what was it, like around $1,500 for that? Yes, yeah. Um, then they came up with standalone things like the Trekker Breeze, which I think is somewhere in the $800 range. So now you look at uh, Nearby Explorer uh, for $79. And, wow. uh, you know, you Great. buy it and it's yours for life. Seeing uh, IGPS works a little bit differently. There's, they have a subscription model, and then they have a model where you buy it for life, basically. So you can subscribe for a month, which is actually kind of cool because if somebody's not really sure 
you can you, it's nice that you can actually take it out for a test drive, and it's only ten bucks, and you, you subscribe for a month, and you try it, and if it's uh, if it's not your cup of tea, then you know you didn't lose a whole lot. But if you want to subscribe for a year, uh, I think it's somewhere like seventy dollars for a year of subscription. Or if you want to own it for life, they have the one that's called Seeing IGPS XT, and that one uh, normally sells for uh, $299. Although, from what I understand, they're currently running a special on it for $100 off. So, if anybody who's been thinking about getting that app, and this of course is in uh, mid June that we're uh, you know mid to late June that we're talking with here, uh, you might want to grab that offer while it's there. Wow, that's that's actually a, a great deal. So it would be two seventy nine less one hundred, so one hundred and seventy nine dollars for life. Two ninety nine uh, minus oh. one. So basically, be one hundred ninety nine dollars, and you have it for life. Wow! And how do people, if they want to purchase that, how do they purchase that? You go into the app store of, of the iPhone. You open up the app store, and then you go to search. And then you just type in Seeing Eye GPS. Uh, if you want the subscription one, you, that's all you have to type, and then hit search, and it should come right up. Uh, if you want the XT, you just type in Seeing Eye GPS XT, and uh, hit search, and then that one will come up. So it just depends on which one you want. I should also mention real quick with KNFB, since we're coming up on convention season, they typically tend to put KNFB Reader on sale around that time. So, uh Early to mid-July is the time to, to pay attention to that. Uh, the app, that app normally sells for $99, but sometimes you can get it on sale. I've seen it as low as $64 or even $75 during that uh, one week or so that they put it on sale around July. Wow. that That's something to look forward to. And I know at uh, this year's ACB convention, we're going to have a lot of vendors there, so it's a great time to ask for these kinds of uh, uh, special discounts. Uh, Julian, are there any other really impressive applications that, that you'd like to share with our audience about that you, you've recently discovered and really very helpful? Well, toward the end of last year, uh, staying with the GPS theme, uh, at the Best in Tech conference, one of our uh, presenters uh, gave out this really neat app, and it's called Over There. <laughs> uh-huh. uh, you know, sometimes you'll ask somebody, where is that located? And they'll point and say, over there. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so what this does, and by the way, this is free. So there, go, go download this one and have fun with it because it doesn't cost a penny to use it. Uh, this one lets you uh, point the phone in any direction. And now what it'll do is it'll, it'll, it'll tap into what are known as Google Places, which is part of Google Maps. And it'll just start telling you things that are in that direction. So uh, if you're in a big shopping center and you're curious, what kind of stores are in, in that direction? What's over here? What's over there? You just kind of point the phone, and it starts talking to you, uh, telling you what things are around. And what's neat about it is that it's almost like tuning a radio dial, because that's the first thing you hear is you hear like what sounds like static almost. So the, the clearer you hear the speech, that means you're right near something. If it sounds kind of faded and a little staticky, uh, it means you're a little far from it. So it's kind of like trying to tune in a distance station versus a nearby station. And I found that a lot of fun to play with when I travel. Wow. That Oh, yeah, that would be great. Or you could be in a, a little mini mall, strip center, like right across the street from, uh, I know, the Braille Institute in L.A. 
And I always wonder, what are all the little restaurants and stores they got in the strip mall across the street? So, wow, and it's free over there. Okay. Yeah. You know, what kind of recommendations do you have for your clients when they are really relying on the voice output from these phones? Do you recommend any specific types of earbuds, or do you recommend that they just use the speaker on it? What is the easiest way that people could hear this? Um, If you're going to use the phone out and about, I don't like the kinds of things that totally cover your ear. I think it's very important to be able to hear everything that's going on around you, especially if you're going to be crossing some streets. So I tend to like solutions that are good for that. Believe it or not, the ear pods that come with the iPhone are really great for this because they sit in the the opening of your ear, but they don't totally obstruct the ear. So you can still kind of hear the audio from the device as well as the audio that's coming uh, from around you. Now, those are, of course, a little bit of a pain because there's a cord on them. And I know for me, my cane sometimes tends to get tangled in that cord, which is kind of annoying. Mm -hmm. So I really like Bluetooth earpieces. And so my favorite to this day, and it's been that way now for a few years, uh, I use one that's called the Plantronics Voyager Edge. And it's a single earpiece, and it just basically hangs on your ear. And it sits right on the opening of your ear, so just like the earbuds, uh, the ear pods, they don't ob- obstruct the audio, the sound of, of everything ar- happening around you. They just kind of let the the voice of your phone mix in with all that audio. So that that's still my favorite Bluetooth earpiece. There are some people who prefer to have an external speaker, and I know that there are some vendors that will sell those that basically plug into the uh, audio jack of these phones, and then they have a clip that kind of clips to your lapel. And that way they can kind of have the uh, audio of the phone a little bit closer to their ear, but not have to be holding the phone in their hand at all times. Oh, okay. Okay. You know, you also had mentioned uh, the Google Glasses and how uh, that that could work for people who are using uh, an application like Be My Eyes or one of those that you are... are, uh, using the assistance of a volunteer or an employee, you know, with a AIRA application with those. Does a Google Glasses have an earbud that sits in your ear, or are there little external speakers that are located near your ear with a Google Glasses? Well, actually, I, sh- I should clarify that the Google Glasses at this point are not readily available. I think uh, oh, really? Google pretty much did away with them. But they, whatever they had left is probably being bought out by Ira as we speak. So <laughs> when you sign up for their service, that's part of what you're getting, is you're also getting equipment from them to use while you're a subscriber. So these Google Glasses are, are almost exclusively, I would say, available if you're going to use Ira. If you're going to use something like Be My Eyes, uh, what I would recommend is a pouch, uh, and you can, buy, you can find these in any, uh, any places, that uh, that sell these sort of pouches, uh, you know, sell wallets and pouches and things like that. There's a vendor specifically here in LA called Marquez Products for Independent Living, and they, I know for a fact, they sell it because I bought it from them. Uh, and it's a little pouch. It's designed. It has a little uh, plastic window in front. It's designed to, to hold an ID card or something like that. 
but the pocket on it is just the right size for the iPhone 7 to slide into. And then I, I slide it into the, to it so that the camera of the phone is looking forward. And then the, it has a strap, and I put that around my neck. And now, uh, when I'm using it with any of these services, uh, the, the person helping me has the view of the camera, which is right in front of me. So that's my way of doing hands-free without Google Glasses. And that's just something that people can try. I know Walmart, I think, also sells a clear pouch. Uh, it's meant for, like, if you take your phone to the beach or the pool, but it's perfect for this as well because you could slide your phone in there, and it has a neck strap. And, again, you can do the same thing, just uh, have the camera looking forward, and now you can have hands-free operation uh, to use these services without having to use a Google Glass. Now, to your question, um, you have to use, um, when you use these services, uh, the Google Glass doesn't really have a speaker that ties into it. You have to use it either with the phone speaker or, again, as I like to do, with it, with an earbud or a Bluetooth earpiece. Okay, great. Now, uh, what about in terms of uh, these contracts? There, there's so many different commercials that I hear, and there's different different contractors available. And I, I know this, is that I'm on a particular plan of Verizon, and it's close to $100 a month, and we have four users in the home. So we're, we're spending a tremendous amount of money. We, we have tried... We have tried other contractors, uh, for example, uh, T-Mobile, and uh, the price was significantly less, but I just couldn't get service in the area of my work and where my home was. But in many other areas, it was very good. Can you give our listeners some ideas and suggestions on how to shop for the best service provider so that we're not spending too much money? Well, the idea is that you want uh, above and beyond above it above it all. You want something that's reliable for you. So, in your case, you, you wanted to get in on the lower price of T-Mobile, but the bottom line is, if it didn't work where you, if it didn't work in your area of work or work in your home, then it's kind of useless to have it. So, you have to have you have to find which provider covers those areas best, and that would involve. Uh, Asking other employees, for example, other coworkers, hey, what do you use? I noticed that you're able to get calls here, no problem. What are you using? Uh, and that could be one area that helps you make a decision. So once you figure out which provider covers the areas you live, work, and play in the best, the next thing to figure out is how do I get the best price for them? Uh, you mentioned contracts. Now, contracts are a thing that they were really big in the past, and fortunately, a lot of the companies have moved away from that uh, traditional contract. They wanted to tie you in for two years. They would sell you the phone at a lower cost, and in exchange, you would have to be locked into their service for two years, whether they were good or not. You were stuck with them, or you had to pay some outrageous early termination fee to get out of that contract. So nowadays, what the carriers are doing is they... Uh, they don't require contracts as much, and some like T-Mobile did away with them entirely. And now what they do is, if you want a phone from them, you could either buy it at full price or you can finance it. And when you finance the phone, I guess you could say that becomes your contract. Except that if you find, for example, that you went with T-Mobile and the service is just not cutting it for you, and you've had it for three or four months and it's just not working, and you want out of it. 
uh, what you'll have to do at that point is if you finance the phone through them, you'll have to, you know, once you leave them, you'll, you'll owe the remaining balance of that phone. So that's more or less how they're doing it now. So if, if you're like me, and I, I like to just buy my phones outright so I don't have to worry about those kinds of things, then you can walk away anytime. You're, you're no longer stuck to a provider if they're not treating you well or, or covering you well. So I recommend if, if you start with your own carrier. If Verizon's who you're happy with, you might want to contact what I what's called their retention department. And the way you get the retention department is if you call their customer service number, but instead of pressing the number that says, I want to talk to a customer service, you press the option that says, I want to disconnect my service. And when you do that, you actually get an agent who has a lot more power to wheel and deal and make some things happen that the average run-of-the-mill salesman or customer service person uh, can do because their job is to keep you from leaving. And especially if you've been a, a long-time customer, they want to keep you from leaving because they know that it costs them more to attract a new customer than to keep an old one. So a lot of times you might you can go to them and say, hey, you know what, T-Mobile offered me four lines for this much, and I really like you guys, but I need to trim the fat out of the budget a little bit. What can we do? What are you guys willing to do? And you might be surprised. They might give you a better deal than what they might offer the general public because you've been a long-time customer, and they want to keep you from leaving. You know, on some of these commercials also, Julian, I hear them say unlimited data. Uh, what, what does that really mean? Does that mean unlimited telephone calls? Or when we're talking about data, is data that's going over the Internet? Uh, what does that really mean? Data refers to Internet, yes. So um, usually that's not connected to phone calls. These days, most plans now offer unlimited talk and text. Uh, that's become standard now. So I, I, I don't think there's many plans left except maybe some prepaid plans that uh, meter your minutes anymore when you're talking. But that's because they know that most people nowadays aren't using the, the, the talk part of their phone very much. They're using the data part of their phone because they're connecting on Facebook and uh, iMessage and WhatsApp and all these other kinds of things, and all of that uses data. So understand that the word unlimited doesn't truly mean unlimited. <laughs> they've, they've been allowed to hijack that word a little bit. But generally speaking, here's how it works. Uh, they'll say for $50, uh, you get unlimited talk and text and unlimited data, and then maybe in fine print or in a whisper, they'll say, and five gigs of, of, of high-speed LTE. <laughs> so um, what that means is that once you've exceeded that threshold of the high-speed data, they'll, give, they'll slow down your data. So in that sense, yes, technically oh. they're right, it's unlimited, but it means that uh, for the rest of that billing period, uh, your data is going to slow down, so your connections to things might be a little slower than normal. Oh, I see. Okay, and then that encourages people to call and just complain that it's slow, and then they pay an extra to increase speed. Well, because the speed. Then when, you, when you call, they're going to look and see, oh, yeah, I see for the last three months you've gone over your uh, allotment. Here, how about we bump you up to this plan, and now this will get you uh, 20 gigs or 30 gigs of, of, of unlimited high uh, data. Uh, what some of the uh, unlimited plans are doing now, too, is where uh, they'll say it's unlimited, but they'll say that they will throttle you down once you've used, like, 20-something uh, gigs and only a, and when, when the network is congested. 
So you really have to kind of read the fine print or have somebody read to you the fine print of what the exact limits are. But there, uh, there's, it's very seldom these days that you can actually find true unlimited high-speed data. There's usually some caveat, so it's just a matter of uh, finding out the terms. You know, what about situations where a, a person just really doesn't have the money to buy a smartphone? They don't have 700 or $800, but they really would like to be able to use the phone. They really want it to send email, text messages, surf the Internet. And if somebody were to say, hey, you know what, I have an old iPhone. It's a iPhone 7. I haven't used it for a year or so. It's not activated but I'd be happy to give it to you. If a person gives you a phone that hasn't been in use and so on and so forth, how easy is it to get that phone activated and working? Is it something that could easily be done, or will the telephone store say, no, this phone won't work, it's too old? Generally speaking, with today's newer phones, anything that's at least within like the last, four or five years or so, uh, most of it is pretty compatible with, with uh, all the networks out there, as long as it's an LTE-capable phone. Uh, LTE stands for long-term evolution, and the idea behind that was is that it was to finally make everything interoperable, get rid of this whole, oh, well, you have a GSM phone that's not going to work on a CDMA network or vice versa. So we've been moving away from that, and everybody's more or less uh, built out LTE. So um, an iPhone, for example, uh, is pretty uh, compatible with most of the networks out there now. In fact, the um, the iPhones that are sold from Verizon specifically, the SIM card slot in those phones automatically comes unlocked, so you don't even have to have it unlocked by the carrier or anything like that. Uh, you, put a, you put in a T-Mobile SIM card into an iPhone from Verizon, uh, it's just going to work. Oh, is that right? Wow, okay. So it's, so it's that simple. Just a lot of times just taking out the old SIM card, putting in the new one, and a lot of times that's all you need. So there's really ways that it could be more affordable for people to use a smartphone. They could use somebody's right. older phone, and it could work. Yeah, in a lot of cases that's true. And then plus there are other uh, – I mean, there's a lot of places you can buy used phones for pretty cheap, you know, blind bargains as a list, uh, eBay. Um, there's a company called Gazelle, G-A-Z-E-L-L-E dot -E, uh, com, and what they do is they buy people's used phones, and then the ones that are uh, <clears throat> uh, usable, they'll just refurbish them and totally fix them up and make them so that they're uh, uh, use-worthy, and then resell them. And with that one, at least you get some kind of warranty. It might be like three months or something like that, but at least it's better than just buying from a stranger where you get no warranty. All right. Gosh, Julian, this is such great, great information. You know, I want to ask you, uh, would you happen to have a little time to answer any questions that our audience might have? Um, yeah, we can do a few minutes. i got to get out of here pretty soon, but uh, we can take a few. Okay. If any of you have good questions, uh, go ahead and unmute your phone for Julian. And before uh, uh, we start taking questions, Julian, would you quickly give any type of information how people could contact you if they want to hire you or ask you other questions. Absolutely. Uh, first of all, my website is www.techjv.com. That's www.techjv.com. 
J is in Julian, V is in Vargas, dot com, techjv.com. That's got my contact info there. That's got a little bit of a bio about what I do. It's got links to podcasts that I've contributed to, presentations I've given, and it has a list that I try to keep current of apps that I recommend uh, for iOS, and I break them down into categories. So um, I'm going to try to develop a resource like that for Android as well. But for right now, I've got the iOS covered uh, in that respect. Uh, and there's uh, apps, there's learning resources and things like that that are very helpful. So that's one way. Uh, my phone number, for those who want to use the phone to call me, that's area code 818-794-9554. Once again, 818-794-9554. And also, I'm going to just remind everybody that Julie and I, uh, we're going to resume doing our podcast every week all about smartphones, and those will be available on uh, Airs LA, www.airsla.org. Uh, so does anybody have any questions out there for Julian? Uh, this is Ann. I have a question. Great. Thank you, Ann. Go ahead. Uh-oh, and my phone's about to go, so I can run and change it. Um, Julian, you were saying that you can take a SIM card out of one iPhone and put it into another. I thought the iPhone was totally sealed and you couldn't exchange the SIM card. No, uh, there is a little SIM slot on the right side of the phone. It's, it's barely detectable, but if you feel it with your fingernail, and again, we're talking later model I- iPhones, you know, anything from like uh, 5 and later. I have an uh, SE. They, an SC. You have an SC. So, yeah, the SC should definitely have it. You'll feel it on the right side. If you feel it with your fingernail on the right side of the phone, uh, you'll feel that there's a little uh, little bump there, a little tiny thing, and you need a special little tool. It's like the size of a paper clip. Oh. Uh, you, you push that in there, and a little drawer pumps out, and the SIM card's laying in there. So you take out the old one and lay the new one in there, make sure it fits in place, and slide it back in. And by the way, you should turn your phone off before you do this. I should mention that. Oh, yeah, I'm sure. You don't want to do that while the phone's on. Oh, that's interesting because I was long, told. As long as, the, as long as the phone is unlocked, uh, that should work. So, again, in the case of Verizon's iPhones, they're all unlocked. That no, I have Verizon. Everything from, like the, from the 5S on, I think, we're all like that. Oh, okay, thank you. I have to go and switch my handset, so I might be making a little bit of noise when I do it. Okay, thank you, Ann. Let's see, we've got time for one more question for Julian. Is there another question out there? Okay, well, Julian, I think, gosh, you, you really covered everything so, so well. And so I want to thank you for being on the show. And I will remind all the listeners that this will be up at the CCLVI webpage and also at AirsLA at www.airsla.org. Okay, good night, everybody. 